for the sacred signal from Federico. I'd just like to welcome everybody who's joining us today for our live stream. Just one part of our Sunday worship gathering at Chelsea Community Church with City Temple. Uh, you can be part of the whole thing by Zoom if you'll drop us an email, uh, or you can come down and join us here at, uh, at Chelsea Community Church at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you have your Bible, let's turn to uh, 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. We were talking last week about, you know, the, the flow of the Peter and, and how Peter was talking to us last week as stranger aliens in this world that our primary calling in interacting with other people is to bless people and to witness to Jesus. We bless people and witness to Jesus, and that's the core here. Uh, and now Peter is giving us some encouragement about what happens when we do that because not everything works out well. Sometimes it's tough when we try to bless people and witness to Jesus. And, uh, and so he gives us some encouragement today about how we live, uh, starting with verse 18. Before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for your word. I pray that you'd uh, open our hearts to receive it today. And I ask that your Holy Spirit would rest on me, that I can bring your word to your people boldly and faithfully through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Since, therefore, Christ suffered in the flesh, Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached, even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. May God bless to us this reading, this reading from his holy word. Well, the title today is probably the, the most obscure cultural reference that I've ever done in a sermon, ever. Uh, and I don't know how many people would have picked up on it. The, the title actually comes from a phrase, actually a title of a book in a film uh, called, They Shoot Horses, Don't They? 
Uh, and probably nobody has seen the movie. It's back from I, 1969, 1970. The book was written back in the Depression uh, era. Uh, and that, that title is something that kind of sticks with you a bit. And I remember as a child seeing the film, or a young man, uh, probably as a teenager, uh, seeing the film and finding it very depressing, discouraging, and unpleasant uh, overall. And that's my impression of it. I couldn't tell you much about it from seeing it, but that's my impression of seeing it. And so, I, I'm, you know, without having to go into the plot uh, or anything, because actually we're not talking about American existentialist uh, film. Uh, we're talking about science fiction. No, we're actually talking about real life aliens uh, in the world. And, uh, but most of the films I've used have been, been uh, science fiction films. So without going to the plot of the book or the movie, you can look them up. Uh, the phrase is trying to point out that back in the old days, if a horse, say, had broken its leg, uh, I was in such miserable shape that it was just suffering. It was in misery that you'd shoot it to put it out of its ministry, uh, ministry, misery, <laughs> or its ministry, I have one or the other. Uh, you'd shoot it to put out, uh, put out of its mi uh, misery. And the question then applies, well, if a human being is miserable, if they're completely bent out of shape, if they're injured, you know, don't we just put them out of their misery? In other words, why suffer? You know, just, uh, just uh, bring an end to it all. Um, the, the phrase suggests that if something is it's difficult or painful, if we don't see a future in it, if we don't know the purpose for the pain, then sometimes we think it's not worth it. Uh, put us out of our misery. It's kind of the, the spirit behind what Job's wife told him when he's going through all that suffering. She says, Job, just curse God and die. You know, and I've gone through times even in my own life where my friends later admitted after I'd gone through the seasons of extreme difficulty, they, they said, you know, we were tempted just to write you, Rod, and say, why don't you just curse God and die, man? Why are you going through this? Because we don't like to go through it. We don't like to go through the pain and the difficulty and the struggle, especially if it goes on and on and on and on. And sometimes we don't see an end to it and can be rather challenging. But I always remember what Roger Bannister, the great British runner, what he said. He said, uh, the man or the woman, you know, it's a turn of phrase back then. The man who can drive himself further once the effort gets painful is the man who will win. And there's a lot of truth in that. And so sometimes we think about this in our Christian life. Well, they shoot horses, don't they? Why don't I just quit? Why don't I just stop? Why don't I just stop following Jesus, stop all this Christian stuff? And actually right now, there's a lot of people in the West who are doing just that, who are walking away from their faith. Uh, because they had too many unanswered questions. They faced too many challenges. Sometimes they faced too many ugly, mean-spirited Christians. I don't know what they're talking about. You know, I've faced a lot of that in my own life. You know, but they walk away. But the phrase also brings to my mind a little bit of what we've been talking about the last number of weeks. I've mentioned a couple of times, you see it in all the science fiction films, you get friendly aliens that come and they come and they say, peace, and the first thing we want to do is nuke them as human beings. And that is a, a normal 
not, not good, but a normal human response throughout history. You know, what people have done. Oh, they're strange. They're different. They're, they're different shade of skin. They're different language. So what do we do? Well, let's kill them. The best thing, let's kill them and take what they have. And that is how we tend to respond to things, to people, to aliens. Uh, and we can even sometimes want to murder them, murder the stranger, murder the, the alien, because we can blame them for our problem. We found that sometimes here in the UK. All the big problems we're facing are because of immigration. And if you just cut down on immigration, all the problems would go away. Uh, but that's not true. Now, of course, we see the, the ultimate expression of that back in Nazi Germany, where Hitler came up with the final solution, let's get rid of the Jews, because it's the Jews that cause all our problems. And some places around the world, that's the attitude that they have toward Christians. In fact, you can almost imagine in your, your mind that before the incarnation of Jesus, the angels are gathering around and they've heard about what's going to happen. It's been announced what's going to happen. They've heard about it and they're talking about it. And they say, hey, hey, wait a second. Didn't they kill the prophets? You know, didn't they persecute everyone that God the Father has sent? They crucify messiahs, don't they? They crucify aliens, don't they? And that's the twofold reality that we deal with a lot. And you know, in saying that, I don't want to be down or negative. I'm not negative at all. I'm, I'm quite a positive person. Uh, uh, but we have to approach life with a certain degree of realism. That many times we struggle, we suffer, we, we, it's, a, it's a slog to get through. And you can go through seasons of slog. Sometimes you can feel like you're going through it your entire life. And then sometimes we face the reality that Jesus was crucified and the world's going to want to crucify us. And we see that in so many places like China where increasingly Christians are blamed for problems. But thank God that doesn't stop things. And so Peter... And talking with this passage we read today, Peter's trying to be realistic. He's just told us, hey guys, go out there and bless people and witness to Jesus. Bless people, witness to Jesus, because it's going to persecute you for doing good, for doing the right thing. Okay, well, if they do persecute you, it's better that they persecute you for doing good, for doing the right thing, than they persecute you for sin. You don't want to walk around with that sin. And so he's trying to encourage the Christians and challenge them and prepare them for how they interact with the world and the reality that as we go out there, as we bless people and witness to Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, according to the grace of God, doing that with gentleness and respect and uh, you know, good self-awareness and open heart toward people, even as we do that, that some people won't receive that. So Peter here in this passage is trying to encourage us to persevere, never quit, even when it's difficult, because we have a promise on the other side of all of this. And we get glimpses of it, but the promise is life in the Spirit. The promise is, in the words of last Sunday, we'll receive a blessing. And that is a promise from God. 
seen it time after time in my own life. I've seen it time after time in other people. And so Peter is saying, okay, this is how you do this. This is how you endure. The first thing is, he says, you got to remember something. And you need to understand what it means that Christ suffered once for all for sins unto life in the Spirit. That's what he said. Christ suffered once for all. It says once there. It means once for all, once for all time for our sins. He died on the cross for our sins. It's the full and final sacrifice that needed to be paid. And Christ willingly, Jesus willingly suffered for our sins on the cross. He was a righteous man who willingly suffered for the unrighteous, just as we'll be righteous people who will suffer many times for the unrighteous. He was a righteous man who suffered for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God. And we face the same kinds of things. The purpose is we want to bring the world to God. That's why we're here, to bring everybody to God, to bless the world, witness to Jesus, so that everyone comes to God. Jesus Christ suffered once for all unto sins that he might be put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. And what Peter is talking about here is the juxtaposition of two ways of living. You either live in the flesh or you live in the spirit. And Jesus died as a full human being that he might live fully in spirit just as we die in Christ that we too might live in spirit. He died the death of the cross so he might live the life of the resurrection. Just like we die in Christ that we might live the life of the resurrection. These are two different states of being. You can't be both in the flesh and in the spirit at the same time. And by the way, when he says spirit, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's the spirit. It's the same kind of quality of life that, that we can have. And it's a life that has influence. It's a life that has power. And so here is Jesus. He died, the righteous for the unrighteous, bringing people to God. He died in his flesh so he might live to the spirit. And there's real power there because after the resurrection, Peter says here, he preached to the spirits in prison. Now, uh, there's a couple of really dinger passages uh, in this text that we read today. And I'm not going to go into all the background on it, say hallelujah, because that would be a, a very, very, very long sermon. So I'm going to, I feel like if you've ever seen the movie, The Princess Bride, there's a scene in there where uh, the guy says, I don't have time to explain, let me summarize. So that's what I'm doing. I don't have time to explain, so let me summarize here. The preaching to the spirits in prison is a post-resurrection proclamation to the demonic principalities, powers, and spiritual forces of evil that had been bound in chains at the time uh, if you remember the Nephilim uh, and all that stuff that was happening in the book of Genesis, there's a reality that the spiritual forces of evil, even now, are bound. And Jesus went and proclaimed to them the power of the resurrection. Jesus went and proclaimed to all these spirits. I don't know what he said. I would have been tempted to say, nana, nana, boo, boo, you tried to keep me down, but I'm resurrected here. But I'm sure he didn't say that. 
But he did proclaim, he did preach to these spirits in prison. It's, he, he proclaimed against the, 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 the excellencies of God, against the past rebellion and disobedience, like in the days of Noah. And Peter goes on to say, in his transition here to talk about the ark as a symbol of baptism, he says, you know, talking about Noah and how Noah and his family went into the ark uh, and they were saved. And this is a metaphor for baptism. This whole thing is actually a metaphor for the church. Because here, Jesus, after his resurrection, again, he dies in the weakness. He dies as the righteous for the unrighteous. He suffers on the cross. And as a consequence, through the resurrection, he proclaims the victory over all the demonic principalities and powers. He establishes the church into which we come through baptism. And the idea that Peter is communicating here is the idea of a group of people who are in the boat together, who are being saved from the flood that has come onto the world. And it's not the act of baptism, but it's the promise that we make in baptism. It's the covenant that we make with God in Jesus Christ in our baptism that's exemplified in our baptism that brings about our salvation together as the body of Christ. So together as the body of Christ, we're in the ark. We're in the church together through baptism. And Jesus does all of this through his death on the cross. The fact that he suffered once for all for sins. And then Peter goes on to show how the resurrected Christ has now ascended into heavens with all the power and authority. He's seated at the right hand of God. It's a position of power and authority. And angelic beings are subject to him. So you get the, the move of Peter here. He's saying, you got to remember, yes, Jesus suffered. He really did suffer. And sometimes that's, that's the temptation. We, we can forget that. You know, we can say, oh, I'm going from glory to glory. I'm going from mountaintop to mountaintop. Well, I don't know about you, but I've discovered, and I don't do this very much, and have I done it even at all? In my mind, in my mind, I've discovered in the mountains of Scotland, if you want to go from the top of one mountain to the top of another mountain, guess where you have to go? Through a valley. And you got a downhill portion, but then you got a big, long uphill portion that you have to go through. And it's easy to forget the valley. It's easy to forget that reality in our lives. And Peter is saying, look at Jesus here. Understand what he did. He suffered once for all for sins. He really did suffer. He really died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. But as he did, look what came out of it. He rose victoriously, preached to the spirits in prison, inaugurated the church, ascended into heaven, and he's there with all power and authority. And that's his reality. That's his reality. Then Peter goes on, and he says, okay, now what does this mean for us? He says, well, as Christ suffered unto, in the flesh, unto life in the spirit, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. 
Arm yourself with the same way of thinking. Just as what just happened to Jesus, what he's just explained, we need to arm ourselves, and that's a military term. It's like picking this up as a weapon. Picking this up as armament that you need to take into the battle of everyday living. Arm yourself with the same way of thinking, the same intent, the same concept about your life. You see this in the life of Jesus? Apply it to your life, is what Peter says, and then live accordingly. Live accordingly. So how do we do that? He says, well, if you have shared in Christ's suffering, then you have ceased from sin. Because everyone who, who suffered has, has, has ceased from sin. You've been set free from sin. So if you've been crucified with Christ, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, that his death on the cross was for you, that your sins are now forgiven, you have ceased from sin. Sin no longer has power over you. Yeah, it's still in the world. Yeah, you still might struggle with your own flesh from time to time. But sin has lost its power over you. And so remember that when you go into the world. Remember, just as Jesus suffered once for all for sins and now lives life in the Spirit, so you too with Jesus suffered once for all for your sins. And even if you're suffering now, your suffering is not an indicator normally that you're still walking in sin. Now, sometimes it can be. But that's why Peter says, don't suffer for doing the wrong thing. Do the right thing. But we can't always think, oh, I'm suffering. What do I do to make God mad at me? What do I do to displease God so much? That's the wrong way of thinking. You've got to arm yourself with the way of thinking of Christ. And Peter is saying here that now, because we've ceased from sin, now by the Spirit of Christ in us, we are enabled to live the rest of our lives no longer for our human urges, but for God's will. In other words, you don't have to go, you don't have to follow your urge. You don't have to follow your desires. You don't have to follow what the world does. You can't say the devil made me do it. You can't say the world made you do it because nobody makes you do it. If you're going to do something wrong, you're choosing to do it because you don't have to do it anymore. You have been enabled now to live according to the will of God the rest of your life. It encourages us to do that. And he says, now you've already spent enough time, you know, living in the, the world's kind of sensuality where they go after pleasure, they go after lusts, they go after their desires. They're slaves to these things. And the world is slaves to their lusts and their desires. And he says, not only now have you been enabled to live the rest of your life for God, just turn your back on that other junk. You don't have to do it because you've armed yourself with the same way of thinking of Jesus where I've suffered in my flesh so that I can live in spirit. And don't, don't worry about it. All Gentiles are always going to be surprised that non-Christians are always going to be surprised when you don't jump into sin with them. And they'll get annoyed with you. And they'll try to insult you and things like that. Don't sweat that. Don't sweat that, Peter says. Don't focus on it. Don't let them drag you into it. Because everyone, including us, is going to give an account to him who judges the living and the dead. 
So in our minds, we understand, hey, wow, okay, the sin has been put to death in me. Now I can live in the Spirit because Christ died once for all for sins. That means now I can do God's will in my life. Every single day, moment by moment, I can choose to do God's will. It also means that I can choose to resist all those sinful urges and what everybody else is telling me to do, and I can resist peer pressure and, you know, all the pressure to jump into sin just like everybody else, especially because I know that I'm going to give an account for how I live. And hallelujah, I can do that well through Jesus Christ because of what he's done for us. And so that's armed in my mind. And then he goes on and he concludes this passage with another one of those uh, challenging passages where he talks about the, this is why the gospel was preached to the dead even. And we, we always testify, if you've ever done the Apostles' Creed, one of the most difficult passages of the Apostles' Creed for some people is a phrase, he descended into hell, which actually means he descended to the place of the dead, which means that he really died. But according to Peter, there was a moment in his death where Jesus preached the good news to those who were dead who died in the flesh. Now, I don't know if that gave them a chance to repent. I don't know exactly what he said. I don't know exactly what, he ha what happened. But that means not even death itself can keep us away from Jesus. Not even death itself can keep us away from the power of Jesus in our lives. That Jesus descended to the dead to preach the good news, and that means that the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, reaches to the ends of the earth, reaches to the highest of the heavens, and reaches to the lowest depths. Because there's power in the gospel of Jesus, that Jesus died on the cross once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that we might be brought to God, that we might be forgiven, and that we might live our lives for God. And this needs to animate our thinking. This needs to animate our mindset every single day. And it really is, it's a daily choice that we have to make. You can't do this once and say, oh yeah, I, I gave my life to Jesus uh, 42 years ago, and so I don't have to worry about this anymore. No, this is something you have to engage in every day. Because every day we face these challenges. Every day we will face peer pressure to get us to do the wrong thing instead of the right thing. Every day we will face people who think following Jesus is utterly ridiculous. Every day we're going to face these urges in our lives to do the wrong thing, to focus in the wrong way. Every day we could struggle with the power of sin as sin tries to overcome us. Every day we could struggle to live according to our flesh. But the good news is that every day, by God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ who died once for all for our sins, every day we can live for God. Every day we have what we need already to follow Jesus, to do God's will, and to stay the course, especially when things get difficult. I have to understand that Sometimes, I don't know about you, maybe you never did, but I certainly have had times when I've said, God, just put me out of my misery. Kill me now. 
Heal me now. I'm ready to go be with Jesus. And I, I did, you know, I know I, I need to stay around because if I die, then Karen kill me. But uh, and so I don't, you know, don't want that to happen. But uh, but there's times like that, and maybe you've been there. I'm being really, really honest and open on this. And you know what gets me through every single time is focusing on Jesus. The fact that he died on the cross and he rose from the dead. And I know what he endured. And I know I can only know a glimpse of it. I know I can only know a portion of his suffering. But I know because he suffered and he lives in the spirit that even though I'm suffering, I will live in the spirit. And even though there are times when that struggle can go on for years. And some of you know what I mean. It goes on for years. You get to a point where I, I can't remember when it wasn't. But even if it goes on for years, the power of Jesus is greater. The power of the one who proclaimed the good news to the dead is greater. The power of the one who proclaimed resurrection victory to the principalities and powers and the demonic spiritual entities held in change, held in chains, can help me endure. The power of Jesus, who ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, who is interceding for me and who has seated me with him in those heavenly places, that power can bring me through. And we can endure. But don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let the world lie to you. And that's what it is. It's a lie that you can't endure. It's a lie that you can't make it. It's a lie that people have hurt you too deeply. It's a lie that life is too tough. It's a lie. It's a lie that sometimes we tell ourselves. Don't believe the lie. Jesus is greater. Jesus is greater. And Jesus is for you. Jesus is with you. And Jesus has given you and all of us through faith in him life in the spirit. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your encouragement. Jesus, thank you for all that you went through, all that you endured for us. We love you, we worship you, and we adore you. And I pray, Father, right now that you just speak into our hearts. Lord, I pray right now for every person that's been thinking, I just need to quit. I just need to give up now. I pray that you'd speak into their hearts and tell them the truth, that they can endure, that they can keep going, that there is life, and they have that life right now. They have the victory right now. They have the power of the gospel right now. They're saved by grace through faith right now. Lord, speak truth into our hearts that we do not capitulate to the lies of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Speak truth to our hearts that we do not deceive ourselves and so drop out of the race just before the finish line. We love you and praise you, Lord. And ask your blessing on us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.